Is your soil suffering from having too much fall nitrogen? And what is that all about? That's what we're talking about in this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where we cut your learning curve with insights you can apply immediately to your farming operation. This episode is presented by Loveland Products. When it comes to crop inputs, you need products that are field proven to deliver both results and value. For more than 50 years, Loveland Products has been providing farmers with high-performance, value-driven product solutions designed to maximize productivity on every acre. Visit lovelandproducts.com to see how their innovative products can help you farm more profitably. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic short episode of Extreme Ass Cutting the Curve. We're delving into something pretty specific, and I'm doing it with a guy that knows a heck of a lot more about what's happening in your soil than I do. Matt Swanson, Extreme Ag Affiliate from Western Illinois, proposed a topic and I said, you know what, you're over my head on this, but I think it's something we should probably dig into. Um, the detriment of excess foil, fall nitrogen to biology. All right, we're, no, we're learning more, Matt, about soil biology, how important it is, how we've oftentimes worked against it with some of the practices and some of the products we've used. And then you throw this topic at me and I'm like, man, tell me all about it. You say that excess fall nitrogen is bad for soil biology. Yeah, so essentially at the end of the year or the end of the growing season, we have three pools of nitrogen that are that potentially could be left over depending on how much we have. All okay. right, so we leftover from the crop that we applied we have nitrogen. well that's a that's a big one and that's where we talk about like these products like loveland has products to help get the nitrogen out of the 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 fodder and the the, the stover etc that's one that we never thought much about and now we're learning more about it but i don't see where that would be detrimental to your soil biology because we want to get it back in the soil don't we we do but the the issue becomes where we you, that nitrogen is available and the biology and in, in the soil itself, actually that nitrogen gets used to burn the water, water extractable carbon that's, that's in the soil. And that carbon is, is important for a lot of things, not only in the fall, but in the next year. So, okay. So the three you're ways not, that you're not gonna, yeah, you're not going to be able to get away from having that nutrients, those leak, that stuff leach out of the stover and things like that. But it's just a matter of not making it worse and understanding what, the, what it's doing. All right, so three three ways that we have excess fall autumn nitrogen, and we're recording this by the way in fall, so this is a, a timely topic. This last year's crop or this year's crop, the stover, that's one way. Where's the just stuff? I'm guessing stuff we overapplied that never got taken up. Yeah, it's either overapplied or it's soil supply during the summer that never got taken up. You know, there's some studies that say as little as thirty to forty percent of the nitrogen we apply actually gets utilized by the crop. Yep. It's utilized by biology or other things. So that leftover in is a portion. Then we have nitrogen that we apply in the fall, either through something like a phosphorus fertilizer that has a, an ammonium component to it, like DAP or MAP. And then there's what the soil is supplying in the fall, which is not as much as it is in the summer, but it still does, what the soil is supplying in the fall that um, is also in that pool. All right, you proposed this topic, and I said, it's so interesting, I want to get into it. for the last 100 years uh okay maybe not the last 50 years you go to the co-op and you say i'm gonna grow corn they load you up with nitrogen and now you're telling me that it could be a detriment to have too much fall nitrogen um 
this seems to fly in the face of what everybody has been thinking and been told their whole uh, corn growing career. You want to grow corn? Got to put out nitrogen. Yeah. I mean, nitrogen is still one of the higher return on investments fertilizer we use. No question. As far as commercially applied nitrogen um, or commercially applied fertilizer, but it has to be balanced like anything else. Right. So there, depending on the soil type, you can maybe hold more. But the other part of this is we're relying increasingly on biology to supply phosphorus and nitrogen, you know, through a lot of products, whether it's, you know, a, a source, a pivot bio, there's a number of them out there. Mm -hmm. The only way those work is if we have a supply of water extractable carbon to feed those, <laughs> those, those microbes. And if we're, if we have excess in for whatever reason at the end, at the end of the year, that's going to promote the biology to use up that carbon and it's you're going to have to replace it or you won't have it in the springtime in next year when you need it until it can rebuild. Hey, wait a minute. So the products, the products that are now touted, see it used to be nitrogen stabilizers. Uh, you, you know, go ahead and put on that, all that nitrogen and use this inserve was the big, most popular one. I think it'll keep your nitrogen in the soil, keep it from volatilizing or leaching or whatever. I'm not even sure how it works. Now we're going to products that allow you to reduce nitrogen and their method of action is what? Explain it again. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just biology is all it is. Um, but the, they rely on a carbon source to, to function. They have to have it to feed essentially. So whether that's coming out of the plants or the soil, it has to be there. And when we have, they have what they call a carbon to nitrogen ratio, right? So you can't have too much of one or the other. But when we when our we keep our biology active, which is something we want to do, but we just don't want it, we don't want to be over applied on in because that feeds harder, right? And it burns stuff out quicker. So we want to keep that um stuff in balance. We're not gonna have we're not gonna be able to get away from having we don't want zero in at the end of the year, right? We want enough to keep our biology going without feeding them a bunch of Mountain Dew, essentially. Okay, so, uh, by the way, I didn't, I never knew about the carbon to nitrogen ratio until I uh, joined uh, forces with Extreme Ag to produce this content. Is is it, am I the one that was late to the party or is it something we just started talking about in the last few years? Um, it's something that, what I would call mainstream, and even, even now it's not what I would call mainstream, um, but mainstream agriculture has more talked about in the last, even three years, probably. Um, but it's still not something you're going to come into a conversation at the local co-op with. All right. So uh, having excess nitrogen in the fall, uh, the average person is still like ready to, they're, they're not sure they even are, they're not even sure they're even agreeing with this because it seems to fly in the face of what we've always thought. Having lots of nitrogen, that's a good thing. And you're saying it kills, is it kill the carbon or it just upsets, it distorts the ratio? No, it just distorts the ratio. I mean, it, it, there's, it's not, so something you at, you said something about inserve. Inserve, the function or the the method of action of inserve is physically killing the biology. So that's <laughs> that's what inserve does. Um, that's why it kept the nitrogen there. That's right. So when you have excess, we'll call it excess in, you're always going to have some. When you have excess in, you allow that biological cycle to ramp up and it burns the carbon out of that soil. 
And it's not a, we're just talking about the water extractable portion. We're not talking about like long-term organic matter, things like that. What I'm specifically talking about is, is kind of the short-term or water-soluble versions. Okay. Well, you said water extractable, water extractable and water-soluble portion. Yeah. That, help me understand that. Is that like the more readily available? Is that yeah, what we're that's, saying? That's the best way to look at it. This That's the portion that the, the bio, soil biology at large is going to use as a, as a food source. Okay. What do I do to, if this is a detriment, yeah. and I believe you, I believe you, and this is something that, again, was this new way of thinking, uh, which, by the way, isn't that a neat thing? Before I get into preventing this from happening, isn't it amazing just in your farming career how far we've come on trying to understand soil biology? We're still not even close. I think we still know as much about the surface of Mars as we do about our soils. Yeah. Just in your farming career, how much we started to focus on it? Oh, it's changed. It's changed dramatically in the last three to three years, yeah. let alone in the last in the fifteen I've been doing this. So, um, it's no, it is quite amazing. How do I prevent this problem? How do I prevent having excess fall nitrogen? It seems like the easy thing would be don't go out and put apply fall nitrogen. Yeah. Let whatever whatever's there exist but is that the that's the first thing right so what there's there's a couple things going on and and first off maybe to bring this maybe a little closer to home for people that that think the water extractable is a little too deep or a little too remote for them quite frankly if you if you're growing 250 bushel corn and you still have 50 pounds of soil nitrogen available at the end of the year that's money that you spent that you didn't need to spend now some of that is based on what the soil is supplying which is can be hard to predict Okay, granted, um, but the the first place to to bring this home or make it matter, right, to the average guy is to say, okay, just don't spend more money on nit applying nitrogen season that you don't need. Mm. Um, but um, you're gonna have to ask me your question, Damien. I forgot it again. Well, I got lots of questions. Preventing the excess, yeah, prevent prevention of excess fall nitrogen seems to me. Like, okay, you can say don't go out and apply it, which again, flies in the face of what a lot of farmers have been doing as common practice. You see people put on fall nitrogen, but even if you say, okay, stop that, is there a way to prevent, is there a chance that I have excess fall nitrogen without doing fall applied? You already told me, yes, there is residue. Yep. Now we have, okay, let's go with residue. We have products that we're using to help break down that residue Right. Is that a is that a bad thing? Because by breaking it down, I'm getting it back in the soil. Am I am I overloading my soil with fall nitrogen? No, but no, I would still use the breakdown project. There's a, there's a lot of reasons those are good things um, because you're not just releasing nitrogen; you're releasing phosphorus and potassium, things that you still need, and yeah. even degrading that fodder so that it gets you're into the organic matter cycle quicker and it prevents meat from having seed to soil uh, contact issues come spring planting. I mean, there's still a lot of reasons to use the, the products uh, that we use to, to degrade this fodder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would not, I would not, not recommend anyone to, to use those products. Okay. So don't misunderstand me there. Um, what I would say is in the past, we've used things like AMS, applied in the fall as a substitute for one of these products. Yeah. And essentially what we're doing is we're using that in to ramp up the biology to do it. And whereas the biological product itself will do it without the in added to it. 
So we're going to, most soils are going to have leftover in, especially if you've had a short crop or you apply heavily or you have a high organic matter soil, most soils are going to have enough that if you add the biology and a food source for them, which the carbon is the food source, not the nitrogen to be specific, um, it's going to have enough to break down your residue without needing to apply more. Okay. All right. So you say use the for, use the stuff that breaks down the residue. Yep. Um, we probably are. We okay. Answer me this: is 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 it never a good time to do fall applied? In other words, are, should we should we avoid fall applied nitrogen? Yeah, I mean, for for the specifics of what we're talking about today, not necessarily. Um, I would target your applications to a lower rate than at least what's common in my area. You know, it's not uncommon in my area to put 175, 200 pounds out in the fall. That's probably not necessary. And it's probably not the most economic way to do that. Um, But Kelly and I both apply, you know, a hundred pounds as, you know, subsurface in, in the fall in the form of anhydrous. And there's nothing wrong with that. Is it the best ideal world situation? Not necessarily. But this is, again, one of those where the economics of it and the time savings of it makes sense. Okay, so the reason, first off, the reason the economics work is because it's cheaper in the fall, (laughs) but the economics working against you are a bunch of what you're putting on in October, November may very well not be there come May. Yeah, so... It's, it gets used for other things. It gets used biobiology. It gets used for other things. Um, and it also leaches and all of the other issues we have with nitrogen fall applied. So I'm not even saying don't fall apply nitrogen. And I think Kelly would agree with me on this, even though he's not here and Mike. But what we're saying is pull it back to a number that that is meaningful. You know, like yep. 100 pounds is kind of the number both of us use. And is easily held on by the soils that we have and doesn't create, and it's deeper, right? So a lot of those carbons and things we're needing are nearer to the surface. Um, in a lot of cases, we're applying that in hydro six, five, six, seven inches deep. So, and it's not going to move up like it would move down, I guess. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, then the other thing about uh, prevention would be really in the fall application. There's not much I can do about what is still out there, but it, Maybe is there a thing, Swanson, where a lot of people are just doing stuff as it's what they've always done? Should we pull soil samples before? I mean, is this something that like right now, should I go out and pull a soil sample and say it's different now than it was in March? So one of the things that we do as part of our, our normal diagnostic program or our crop monitoring program is we pull an H3A soil sample with the tissue sample, for example. So we're already going to have a R5, you know, a black layer or a, or a brown or a mature pod soil sample because of we're pulling them with tissues. And it, and if you do like something like a plant available, which is kind of what you're, that's really all you need. Um, it's going to show you how much in you have left. And, you know, if you've got 20 pounds left, 25 pounds, I don't have any heartburn about that. If you have 50, 75, hundred pounds left for whatever reason, um, that's kind of a red flag to me. And it could just be because you had a short crop, right? You could have applied a normal amount and you had a short crop and you just got leftover. Okay, yeah, yeah. Meaning that the whatever you had, the corn didn't, you had a drought and it didn't utilize all the nitrogen that was there and so there's remaining nitrate, is that what you're saying? That's right. And it could be in the ammonium form, but a lot of the time the ammonium form is soil supplied nitrogen that hasn't been taken up yet at this point of the year. anyway. Are we going to get to where 
and this is a big topic, and this isn't really on topic. We're going to get to where there's restrictions about the amount of nitrogen we use anyhow with all of this, because I see it as the new boogeyman. It's it's really, it's got a lot of political uh, pressure and environmental pressure behind it. Are we going to get to where monitoring fall nitrogen? Because that's when so much leaching happens, right? Between October and planting is when you, it's getting in the water shed, yeah. correct? Ideally, if you, I mean, ideally... You would put it on and in November, it would freeze almost instantly and it would stay frozen until it thawed out in March and then you went straight into planting, right? But how often does that happen? Never. So it's, I mean, you see it in in Temple's watershed now in Maryland. Um, there's some discussion around Lake Erie and those type of thing, although that's more of a phosphorus thing. Um, and in Illinois as well, although, you know, Illinois has a, a nutrient loss reduction strategy specifically to kind of front run that um, type of regulation. Right. Certainly possible. And honestly, even as a farmer, if I thought it could be done smartly, I wouldn't necessarily be against it. Um, unfortunately, that's the chances of that happening when government's involved seem slim. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We're farm guys and and I'm certainly all pro agriculture. But, you know, next state over is Ohio and they've had this algae bloom in Lake yeah. Erie. You know, it was the thing. <laughs> The rivers caught on fire in Cleveland in the 60s and 70s, and then they got the thing cleaned up. And after the industrial cleanup, became the agricultural problem with an algae bloom that was prohibitive and killed stuff. And it was because of phosphates in, in, in use in agriculture. So to pretend that somehow we're not culpable, well, there is there is some blame to be here. And there, there have been some overuses of fertility. Yeah, certainly. I mean... It and the, and the issue with phosphorus, and it's the same way in Illinois, is there is an issue with phosphorus fertilizer runoff, and there's an issue with the fact that the soils in that particular part of Ohio and in my part or most of Illinois are fairly rich in phosphorus anyway. So when the soil erodes, um, yeah. get phosphorus in the in the water, and nitrogen is the same is the same way. Okay, so if we get this thing figured out that fall nitrogen in excess is detrimental or degrades biology, when we get it figured out, are we going to see, is this like the next revolution? You know, when we came up with the, what's it called, the Haber-Bosch uh, method of creating nitrogen, it was like, oh my God, we just caught lightning in a bottle, is yeah. now the management of nitrogen and that way to the benefit of soil is this the next lightning in a bottle thing well and here's the best way to explain this and and we're going to talk about pivot specifically but it applies to a lot of other of the microbial type fertilizer suppliers right they are very dependent or at least in my opinion with some data to back it up are very dependent on this weoc or water extractable carbon to function okay and as we overapply, if you want to say overapply or fall apply or improperly apply, improperly time, however you want to word that, nitrogen, that's that's detrimental to that WEOC number. Yep. That WEOC number we're realizing is even more important than even, you know, we've been talking about this kind of in my circle of the last three years or maybe a little bit longer than that. It's even more important today, I think, than I than we realized at the time we were talking about it. And it's because we're relying on things like pivot or source or any of these biological type things to provide fertility. We have to have that WEOC portion mm -hmm. and excess nitrogen is detrimental to WEOC specifically. 
So that's why, is it going to be a revelation or a revelation or a revolution like the, the Haber-Bosch process was? Probably not. Is it going to be something that differentiates your best managers from your average and low managers? Absolutely. Because it's a way to not only save money because you're, you're utilizing more efficiently what the soil is already providing. Yep. You know, Damien, we've got places where we're going to have 0.3 pounds of applied nitrogen per bushel grown this fall. Okay. It takes no matter where you're at, it takes 1.1 roughly, depending on genetics and other things, pounds of nitrogen to grow a bushel of corn. Now that doesn't all have to be applied and it quite yeah. often is not. But you're, you're talking about the difference between applying 80 to 100 pounds of nitrogen and growing 250 bushel corn and applying 160, 170. 160, yeah. 170 is still good, but you've still spent money there that you didn't need to spend. Yeah, you're just talking about a reduction by half. Well, in the 0.3 to 1.1, a third. You're talking about going down by, a, by two thirds and not sacrificing yield. That's that's right. Now, as as we raise yield, which is the hope, right? You know, we may not see our applied nitrogen fall, but our nitrogen use efficiency, our NUE number, is what we're really worried about as far as what dollars we're spending. Um, that should come down. But you have to have you have to have in order for the biology to work to provide that nitrogen or even the other nutrients, you have to have that weoc and applying excess or having excess fall nitrogen especially but all year long is detrimental to that number mm. all right i think that's probably about it is but i'm gonna let you give me the wrap up on on uh, the nitrogen uh excess thing we talked about how to prevent it we talked about why it matters um i'll give you this last thing how much do you think this has been the you know the whole commercials for uh, old windows, new windows? Your old windows, and there used to be a guy to go over and like cut a hole in the wall and say, if you have old windows, you might as well have a hole this big in your wall and all your heat's going out of there. By the way, the people in the like Florida are like, what are they worried about heat? Anyway, is there a demonstrable loss that we're going to be in a few years going, holy hell, we were because we overapplied nitrogen. It actually cost us yield. Are we going to see the hole in the wall window commercial kind of a thing five years from now? Where like you're losing this much yield or losing this much money because of it? Well, Damien, at this point, we've been doing this so long that you know our our soils are, have been chronically overfed with nitrogen in some cases. And listen, this this topic kind of fits in with guys that are hardcore no-tillers and see no other way to do it, guys that are hardcore cover croppers, and I get it. And they they and guys that are, we'll say, more conventional or more traditional managers are, are, are going to have a tendency to throw it out because of that. This, this is an issue not only in the short term as far as making money, but it's it's an issue as far as we talk about the degradation of our soils and you know, you'll have a groundless pushback. Well, that's not true and this and that or more productive or whatever. Um, the degradation of something like weoc is a is a long-term problem in that if we don't change our management, it it's is it going to get worse in some ways, but is it going to be something that's going to cost us more and more money or make our margins more tight? Absolutely. And that, and that can be every year. We are certainly not uh, tree huggy types that are all about, Oh, we should never use any synthetic products, whatever, but you can make the case 
and this starts to go down that road, which is why I wanted you, I'm so happy when you proposed this topic. You know, uh, the biome, gut health, uh, these yeah. are all things that we talk about. And I'm talking about humans, you know, the stuff we never really talked about, and maybe they did a hundred years ago, and now we are again, uh, using antibiotics and then overuse of antibiotics gets to where then the only way to cure uh, antibiotic resistance is to go with bigger and harsher stuff. You yeah. could make that case about some of our soils. We've been pumping stuff to it because there's money to be made pumping stuff to it. And then the answer becomes pump more stuff to it. And we've, we haven't killed the soil biology, but we certainly, uh, we're not, we're not harm. Yeah. We're not helping at all. I mean, and there are, I mean, we could, I could show you, we could walk through the results of soil test after soil test that measure that water extractable carbon. And as much as some guys are not going to want to hear it, the more tillage you do, and especially the more aggressive the tillage is, the more excess nitrogen you apply, there is no question whatsoever that it a hundred percent drops numbers like we uh, on your soil test and has a a, an effect on profitability the next year, whether you notice it or not. Well, maybe I think this is the next thing. And I think we're going to cover this topic again from different angles. You know, in the 1950s, we came up with soil samples and we learned about NPK. And then by God, we thought, let's put some more into it. And then we started learning about micronutrients. And we started learning about organic matters value for porosity or, you know, water infiltration. And until today, I hadn't thought about the next thing being water extractable carbon, but thank yeah. you for bringing that up. His name's Matt Swanson, extreme ag, Illinois guy. My name's Damian Mason. I want to ask you uh, one way on the way, on the way at the door here. If you gave a plate of food to an athlete, but the athlete was injured, had sprained ankles and was also suffering from the flu would the plate of food with the nutrition do as much good as if the athlete were not injured and did not have the flu. Of course, the nutrition will go further and you'll get more result. Kelly Garrett says that's exactly what we do with our with our fields. We put a whole bunch of uh, products and inputs out there to a stressed yeah. crop. So Kelly Garrett says, two years ago, I'm sitting in his office, stress mitigation is going to be my big thing. Stress mitigation, Damien, it's going to be my big overriding theme in the year 2022. He did that. So he applies Accomplish Max in furrow for stress mitigation. That's Accomplish Max. It helps with stress mitigation starting from the very time the plant goes in, the seed goes in the ground to start to plant. You want healthier plants? Visit lovelandproducts.com. Lovelandproducts.com. All right. Until next time, his name is Matt Swanson. Thanks for being here, buddy. Yep. And this is Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. But there is plenty more available by visiting extremeag.farm. For over 50 years, farmers have turned to the proven lineup of crop inputs offered by Loveland Products. From seed treatments, plant nutrition, adjuvant, and crop protection products, Loveland has the complete lineup to keep your farming operation productive and, most importantly, profitable. Check out lovelandproducts.com to learn more.